Today we're going to go back to our series that we were doing before the Corona Crazy. <laughs> we're going to go back to simply following Jesus. I believe that would be a great thing for us to do even today is just simply follow Jesus. Would you say that with me? Simply follow Jesus. Amen. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 26. Matthew chapter 26 today. We're going to be looking at a familiar story as to something that took place in Jesus' life. I want you to know that as we come to Matthew 26 today, Matthew uh, is tracking along the story of Jesus and he's letting us know that he is the long-awaited Messiah throughout this book. He has quoted Old Testament scriptures to point the people of God to the fact that he is the truly awaited Messiah. The Jews are hearing from Matthew and he is expressing his, his thoughts, his experiences, what he witnessed. And today we come to a witness account of something that is happening just near before Easter was to take place, near before the crucifixion and the resurrection. Jesus has come into Jerusalem. This is going to be his last trip to the capital city of Israel. And he's come to this place and he finds himself in someone's house. You know, all of us are in houses today. <laughs> we have been quarantined to our houses and we've been quarantined with our families. And we find ourselves sitting around and we find ourselves eating, and, and, which I like. I have heard some of the great dishes that some people have been cooking. And I really hope that you can continue to cook like that, Mr. Troy, so that when this whole thing is over, I can come over to your house and have some good food. <laughs> but anyway, why, why do I talk about food every week? I still think it's because I can't go get anything at a Mexican restaurant. I think that's why down deep inside I'm, 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 I'm still uh, struggling with this quarantine thing. But today we're coming all quarantined in a house. And this scene's going to take place in a house with some people. You know, we have a lot of questions about what in the world are we going to do. We have a lot of things that's been thrown at us, some stuff that we have been told we can do, we can't do, and we're really juggling, trying to figure out what's the priorities in our life. What used to be a priority has changed. We have to change the way we do things. We have to change the places we go. We have to change how we are going to continue to do our stuff. But today we come to Matthew chapter 26 where we find Jesus... In verse 6, will you read with me? Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, Bethany was one of his favorite places because that's where his dear friend Lazarus, Mary, and Martha actually lived. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper. Now, I want to begin, just stop right here. This is free of charge. I find this very interesting because where are lepers normally at? They're normally not at their home, are they? They're usually at uh, the place outside the city. They're usually away. This is going to be a Simon the leper who actually has, more than likely, he has been healed. He is now in his house. He has invited Jesus in. So we see here that it says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. 
So what's going on here is we can see that Jesus is there at this home. His disciples are there with him. This woman comes in and she brings in this vial of perfume and pours it on Jesus' head. Now, as we first look at this, this seems to be a nice little thing. And you would think that people would appreciate someone doing something nice to Jesus. But I want us to really dive into what she is doing. What is it that she did? What did she really do? And you can write this down or, or however you want to do this today and, and take notes as we follow along. But the first thing that I want you to understand today about what she did was this. She gave Jesus her presence. She gave Jesus her presence. That was the first thing that she did. We can see this in verse 7. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume and she poured it on his head. She had to get close to Jesus. She wasn't just in the crowd. She wasn't just over in the corner of the room. She wasn't looking through a window. She came into the room, came up to Jesus close enough to take some perfume and pour it on his head. Now, I'm not sure if Jesus was surprised by this or, or if he turned around suddenly. We don't know. That's not revealed. That's not important to Matthew, the author here. What he's revealing to us is this woman who was on the outside of this house came into the room, came through all the disciples around everyone that was there, and came up to Jesus close and poured this on his head. So the very first thing I want you to grab today is this. That she gave her presence to Jesus. She was presently there. Second thing. Second thing is this. Look in verse 7 again. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of cheap perfume. No, 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 no. I am sure that your scriptures, just like my scriptures, says it's a very costly Perfume. This was not the Walmart quality. This was the high dollar super. It, it cost a lot of money to have this vial. She had this vial and she brought it to Jesus. And rather than putting it on herself to make herself smell good so that people would be impressed with her, instead what she did was she poured it on Jesus. Now, what I find interesting here... <laughs> Is, is this, that it says that she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. I don't see, Miss Judy, where it says that she poured just a portion of it. Larry, it didn't say that she put just a drop on his head. What it says is she poured it all on his head. That's, that's what I'm seeing here in the Scripture. So she gave him her presence. She gave him her best. She gave him her love. Her, she gave love to Jesus at that moment because that was all she had to give. She wanted to do something to show that love, not just say that she loved him. Do you understand what's amazing here? Check this out. Let's read the rest of this. She's done a good thing, but let's see what the guys who've been hanging out with Jesus for years who he has been teaching, let's see what they have to say about what she did. Verse 8, But the disciples were indignant. Now you want to know what that word means? They weren't happy. They were upset. When you look at John's account of something very similar to this, it was Judas that he identifies, but here Matthew says the disciples with a plural S. The disciples, the godly ones, if you will, they were indignant when they saw this. 
and said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. I mean, that's such a noble thing to do. Aren't we supposed to take care of the poor and the needy? Why couldn't she have done that instead of wasted pouring it on Jesus' head? That's what they're saying. Let's see what Jesus said. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Stop just for a moment and think about who Jesus is. He was there when the universe was created. When God spoke the world into existence and said, and He saw it and it was good. He saw the stars and it was good. He saw the mountains and it was good. He saw the sunset and it was good. He saw the animals and the birds and, and the butterflies and the beautiful things, Miss Sandy, and it was good. And yet here, a lady who was rejected by even the disciples, who came into that room and she poured what she had and that was perfume on his head. Jesus said, and it is good. The creator of the universe saw what she did as good. She didn't create a star or the oceans or a whale. She didn't, she, she didn't bring forth the flower. But she brought forth her love to Him. And He said, it is good. So good that people will talk about her for centuries. And here we are even today talking about her. Well, how does this have anything to do with me today? How does this apply? What does this story mean to you and I as followers of Christ who are coming together to worship? How does this have anything to do with it? Well, I believe it has to do with priorities. It has to do with the first priority in our life. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you something that Chuck Swindoll said. Chuck Swindoll said, My order of priority reflects the level of my commitment to Christ. That was so good. I'm going to say that again. You may want to write that down and, and, and post it later. My order of priority reflects the level of my commitment to Christ. Who, whoever or whatever is in first place, if it isn't the Lord Jesus is in the wrong place. Chuck Swindoll said that. So I want us to look at Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, just for a moment. But write this down. Make sure you get this one. What we do with Jesus is more important than what we do for Jesus. Maybe some, some of you are, are, are raising an eyebrow, scratching a head, going, is that really true, Pastor? What we do with Jesus is more important than what we do for Jesus. Let's check out Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7-ish. Through 
I'm going to begin at 1 John and I'll be done when I finish. How's that? Verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands, says this. Notice this is written to the church. A church with a name. It is believers. It is people who have committed their life to Christ. They are Jesus followers. Now let's see what he has to say about this church made up of his people. Verse 2. I know your deeds. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know that Jesus knows your deeds? He knows all your deeds. The good ones, the bad ones, the ones you think about, the ones that don't even come to mind uh, sometimes. He knows all of those. But he's talking to this church and he's going to give them a commendation right here. Check this out. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance. So what is he saying here? He is saying this is a hard-working church. Ephesus is a hard-working church. They're not afraid of some labor. They're not afraid to get in there and get busy and get their hands dirty. They're a hard-working church. I know your deeds and your toil. That is work and perseverance. They are a suffering church. They're going through some tough times. It is hard, but they are absolutely persevering through that. They are enduring through that. This sounds like a good church. And that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. So not only are they a hard-working church, and they're a persevering, enduring church, even in tough times, they're also a group of people who know some truth. They know what's right, they know what's wrong, they can understand the Scriptures, and they are able, they are able to divide truth from error. This is a good church. When we look at it from the outside, this church is dynamite. As a matter of fact, i got a good story to tell you. Once there was a man, he found a, a big container, a crate, if you will. And that crate on the outside was marked dynamite. Danger, dynamite on the crate. All four corners said danger, dynamite. So he began to respect that box. He was very careful as he approached the box. He was very careful as he opened the box. But to his surprise, inside the box that was marked danger dynamite, all he found was shredded paper. Let me tell you, the picture of this church that we're reading about in in Revelation chapter 2 is a picture that that box would demonstrate. On the outside, man, it looks like dynamite. But on the inside, it ain't nothing but shredded paper. Let's read on and see what what Jesus said. Verse 3, And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. This is a great church. But, 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 but Verse 4, But I have this against you. I don't know about you today, but the last thing I want to hear, the very last thing I want to hear from Jesus is I have this against you. I want to hear what he says over in the Gospels. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear him say, I have this against you. But this church is working hard. They're doing, they're doing, they're learning, they're learning, they're persevering, they're sticking with it. But he says, this I have against you, that you have left your first love. 
Can I tell you something today? It is possible to do your duty and do the things, the right things, and do what is right without having the devotion to Christ. We can live life as if we're gonna, we are a super person. We are doing the right things for Jesus. But if we, if we can do those things, there is a good possibility. It is possible that we're not with Christ. Anybody can hand out food. As a matter of fact, Friday we had two phone calls here at the church. People needing food. That they're going to set up an appointment this coming week to get some food from our closet. So we can hand out food all day long. Man, we handed out fresh fruits and vegetables Wednesday in the middle of the coronavirus. Had volunteers here working hard. We can do good things. We can teach the word. We can preach. We can keep going with the gospel. But if we lose our first love, we might as well just quit and close the doors. The first love is Jesus. We cannot get the gray area and get blurred in this idea that if I'm doing for Jesus, then I'm loving Jesus. Because sometimes we can do for Jesus and not even love Him. He, it's all about priority. See, if we do just to get a good name for ourselves, it's not loving Jesus, it's loving yourself. If you do just because you want to check it off the list so you'll feel better, you're not loving Jesus, you're loving yourself. We have to love Jesus first. Now, don't get me wrong. It is important for us to do things. It is important for us to share our faith and to help the hungry and help the poor and help the needy. Jesus has asked us to do that. We are to be a hospital. But we cannot do that absent of a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus will look at us. He'll say, you're giving, you're helping, you're working, you're doing, you're knowing. But I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. When doing for Christ is greater than our devotion for Christ, we become like that box we're on the outside, it says we're dynamite. But on the inside, we're nothing but shredded paper. There's no power. There is no power on the inside to back up what's going on the outside. We can fulfill our duty to our kids. We can fulfill our duty to our spouses. We can fulfill our duty to our parents. But just doing our duty does not mean that we're fully loving them. See, some people have this idea that as long as, as, as I've provided food and money for my family, I'm loving them. It's more than that. Love is a presence, not just a provision. See, get this, please. Grab hold of this. Because God in all of His splendor, He could have just loved us from afar and just provided for us and given us this and given us that. But no, Jesus left heaven, came to earth so that He could be present, so that we could have His presence, so that we could be present together. Do you understand the importance, the separation between doing and loving? Yes, those things do mold together, but you have to begin with the inside of loving Jesus first and foremost and Him being your priority before we can even do with any power. If our duty for Christ replaces our devotion to Christ, we have relegated Christ to be second place in our life, not first. If our duty 
I'm going to say it again. If our duty for Christ replaces our devotion to Christ, then we've relegated Him to second place in our life. And if He is second place, that means something else is in first, which means biblically you have an idol in your life. God began the Ten Commandments. And one that He put there is, You should have no other God before Me. What did He say? I'm to be number one, not number two, not number three. Not even, one in a, not even one and a half. I am to be number one. Number one. That's where I'm supposed to be. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. See, giving Jesus our leftovers... Hold on now. This might hurt. So just get ready. Giving Jesus our leftovers is placing Him on a pile of second place. If Jesus isn't giving our, getting our first and getting our best, then we've put Him in second place. We've thrown Him on a pile with a lot of other stuff. The woman we read about in Matthew 26, that's not what she did. She came with her presence and her best to be with Jesus. Yes, she did something for Him, and it's important we do that. Please understand this isn't about not doing anything. This is about when we do, we have to make sure Jesus is first. But here is the beauty. Here's the beauty of it. When we can examine our time, our talent, our responsibilities, our treasures, our possessions, and we can see how Jesus is number one in all those areas, then Jesus is number one. But my friend... If you look at your time, your talent, your responsibilities, your treasures, and Jesus is not number one in any of those, then Jesus is not number one in your life. And He needs to be. He doesn't want just some of your life. He needs all of your life. And He doesn't want to spoil the time that you would spend on Netflix binging your favorite show or on Hulu or watching movies or playing games with your friends or, or, or doing your work. He don't want to take you away from that. He's just got His arms out going, when are you going to give me something? I'm here to bless you, to strengthen you, to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you strength. And instead, you're spending more time on screens than you are with me. So I implore you today to examine yourself closely and see if this is what Jesus would say of you. Verse 4 of Revelation 2. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. This is a warning to the church. Unless the church returns and looks and we as God's people put Jesus first, Jesus says, I'm not going to put up with that. You're doing all this good stuff, but I'm not number one. Notice he did say, unless you do the things you did at first. So there is some actions involved here. It's not just simply sitting with your eyes closed. But the whole point is, if we can't love Jesus more than everything else in this world, 
then we need to repent. That's what it says in Revelation. We need to repent. Christ saved us, Jeff, for relationship, not workmanship. He saved us so that we can be right with Him and be close and be able to to dwell with His presence in our life. Not so that we can go out and do, 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 do. Now He may call us to do. So please understand I'm not saying that this is against doing. This is about getting that relationship right and then go do. Because you're going to find emptiness in what you do. And turmoil and difficulty unless Jesus is first and foremost. Tony Evans put it this way. To live life to its fullest and to accomplish and experience all that God has created you to do. God and His kingdom must be first. Not part of your leftovers. God is not to be one among many. He is to be first among none. Other words, there shouldn't be anybody beside Him. Colossians is written for this idea about Jesus. That Jesus isn't to just be one among many. Jesus is to be the only one. Nobody else. You can read Colossians this week if you want to get a sense of that even more from the Apostle Paul. So what must I do? What must we do? It's this. Prioritize my relationship with Jesus. I must prioritize my relationship with Jesus. You know, I am reminded of everything that's going on right now with the internet. I'm reminded how we're hearing reports of the internet services being overwhelmed. The pipeline of the websites, the, the, the flow of data has overwhelmed the networks. And they're frantically working. Trying to fix the communication that's going on because there's so many people trying to communicate and connect with each other. Let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, there is a there's a communication that's wide open with plenty of bandwidth. And that is our communication and connection with God Himself. This morning. I'd rather have Jesus than anything, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I'd love this COVID-19 to be over, Miss Judy. I would love to just be able to go back to the way it was. I'd love to give my mom a hug when I go see her. I can't. I'd love to see my church family right here with me, but I can't. And even though there's a longing in my heart for that, I'd rather have Jesus than all of that. Would you sing with me this morning? Would you sing with me, I'd rather have Jesus than anything? We're going to put the words on the screen. So please forgive me. 
I'm not as good as a lot of people, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to give Jesus my everything right now. Will you sing with me? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be than anything this world affords today. Keep singing with me. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to His dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to His holy name. Sing out, church. Come on. Than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than just a moment we're going to pray but right now I want to offer to you Jesus you know you don't have to be in this room to make a decision you don't have to be in this room to repent for Jesus is right there with you right now so right now Right now, Jana's going to post a little thing on her. This is kind of weird. I know, this is a new day. But Jana's going to post a thing on our, our, our chat board. And it's going to say to raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus today. And guess what? You can do that right now, right where you are. You can push that thing on the chat board or you can raise your hand right where you are. In your home, however you're watching this. Maybe today you've come and you, you've, you've realized I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I've been chasing all this stuff. 
I've been doing, I've been trying to be good, I've been trying to do what's right, my friend. It's not simply about that. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why He left heaven to come to earth so there can be that presence and connection with you. Not for you to be a workman, but for you to have a relationship. So right now, will you just raise your hand wherever you are? You can press it on the chat or you can raise your hand in your room and say, I want Jesus to be first in my life. Maybe today you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, but you've been living a life and He's been getting the leftovers. He's been getting what is second best in your life, not what's first. And you want to raise your hand today and say, I want to commit for a new day to let Jesus be number one and have first priority. I want to be able to walk into a room and not worry about all the religious people, but just come to Jesus. Not worry about the distractions of what's going on, but come simply to Jesus. Will you do that right now? Raise your hand. All over, all over this county and others, even other states that watch our broadcast now. Will you pray with me? Repeat this after me all over. Dear God, I have not put you first. I have made mistakes. But I want you more than anything. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Take over my life. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that changes everything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.